Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. been in in a situation where you had experienced something and the other person had not and so you were really excited for them to experience it right so like I got to go to Disney World when I was like 10 and then 30 years later I got to take the kids to Disney World and so you're excited because like you kind of have an idea of what to expect right or perhaps you went to a national park that was really great or there's just like a meal that you really enjoy and so you're really excited to, to share it with family or friends or or that kind of thing but it's something where you know right like you've experienced it you, you've been there you've tried it um, you know and and you're just you're really excited because you want that person to experience it even even though they haven't now imagine seeing something knowing something experiencing something but then you wait 40 years for someone else to see it or experience it. The, just what kind of um, patience and at times frustration it would take to say, I know how good this is, and I know it's going to be fantastic, but now I have to wait 40 years for you to see it and experience it and truly understand how, how great it is. So we've been in the book of Joshua, and, uh, but with, um, with November, we're also doing kind of a highlighting the missions month, missionaries month, and so today we're, it's kind of a mashup of, of both of those. We're going to talk about Caleb, um, see what scripture has to say, it, say about him, but also we're going to talk about Caleb's life, and it's incredibly inspirational, um, and I think it's pretty, very inspirational, especially when it comes to uh, any kind of missions work, ministry work, uh, that kind of thing. I would also say, though, that I think that this is doubly inspirational for the grandmas and grandpas in the crowd because Caleb was 85 years old when he asked for the land to go conquer it. 85. Um, So we're going to unpack that a little bit today. It's interesting, you know, when I worked at Trek, uh, Trek was primarily young adults, but some people would sometimes say, well, is there an age limit? And we did actually have one gal, who, uh, a widow, who was like in her mid-40s join us. That was kind of funny. But I used to joke, but like not really joke, um, that, you know what? Like if you're mobile and you love Jesus, like that works for us, you know? So if you, if you can get out the door and you love Jesus, um, we're, we're good to go. Uh, you, you qualify for missions. Um, so anyways, the, this, we're going to look at the story of Caleb. And it's just a fantastic story. If... If we look at the numbers and we kind of look at the different time stamps and you read the, the different accounts, it looks like a, um, Caleb was actually born in Egypt, uh, born in slavery, and that he probably would have been there, don't know exactly, maybe his mid to late 30s, before he left. So, so Caleb knew Egypt. Caleb knew slavery. Uh, he knew what it was that they were leaving behind. He knew how bad things were. Caleb had undoubtedly grown up uh, in poverty, uh, grown up in a very oppressive rule. Um, so Caleb knew hardships, and he would have known this until his mid, mid-30s. And, and really, up until that point, Caleb would have had like little to no hope 
of anything other than slavery. I mean, that was his world. That was his future. There was nothing outside of that. And so to begin with, just understand that, that Caleb understood suffering. So then Moses comes along, and uh, God does miracles, and you've got the 12 plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea, and the Israelites are set free, and they march across the desert to the promised land, and, and then Moses sends in 12 spies, and they scout out the promised land for 40 days, and they come back and they give their report. And it's an honest report. They don't make anything up, but they give the report. And they say, look, the land is fruitful, and it grows things well, and it's really fantastic. However, there's also giants and mean people and fortified cities. Okay? Honest report. Ten of the spies say it's impossible. We cannot do it. We're going to get slaughtered. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. It was horrible there, but at least it's familiar. Right? So there's a sermon. Two of the spies, Joshua, Caleb, say, yes, it's, I mean, there's giants and that kind of thing, but God is on our side. We can do this. Let's do this thing. The people follow the advice of the ten bad spies. And I imagine, actually, this was a pretty tense moment because really you only have three people, Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, who are saying, let's take the land. And then you have everyone else, which I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, million-plus people that is, saying, no, bad idea, let's go back. So I imagine there's a pretty strong uh, sense of, like, well, we could just kill these three and, and be on our way and, and head back. So their lives were very much on the line. But these three, Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, they were the ones who viewed the situation through faith and through trust in God. Everyone else only saw the physical. Uh, they, they did not approach this from, uh, from understanding and, and trusting in God. And it, like, there's a reason why we teach the story of the 12 spies starting off like when you're a little kid. Because it is such a fantastic story around what does it mean to look at a hardship or a difficulty ahead of you and say, either I view this only in the physical or I'm going to trust that God has a plan, and if he says go, we go, and I'm going to trust him that he's going to get us through this. Fantastic story. The second thing to understand about Caleb is that Caleb understood faith and, and embracing that faith and that trust in the Lord, even when earthly logic almost makes no sense. So God decides to punish Israel for their lack of faith. Uh, the ten bad spies actually die of a plague. Uh, and then the rest of the Israelites are told, you're going to have to go wander the desert for 40 years. And God very clearly tells them, every single one of you will die in the desert. And it will be your children who inherit the land. Probably a couple sermons in that one as well, too. Um, have you ever suffered something because someone else made a bad decision? Right? Like you're like on a football team and someone made a bad call and now you got to like run lines or something or spouse like made a bad financial purchase or something like that. Forty years, this man wandered the desert because everyone else made a bad decision. Forty years. 
He was right. They were wrong. By this point, they probably all knew it, and they're still stuck wandering that desert for 40 years because of someone else's bad decision. And so there's also this sense that Caleb understood what it was to be patient. 40 years later, the Israelites returned to the border of the Promised Land, right? During that 40 years, everyone else has, has passed away in the desert. You only have Joshua and Caleb that have sur survived. Moses also passed away in the desert. Um, only Joshua and Caleb have actually seen the Promised Land, right? Everyone else is just living off secondhand accounts and rumors and legends and, and that kind of thing. Um, Moses dies. Joshua is put in charge. And so Joshua leads this invasion and into the Promised Land, and they win some, some battles. Uh, one commentary said that it probably took them about seven years to, to do all of that. And then they're getting ready to, to split up the land amongst the, the Israelites and the different tribes. God's about to tell them how to divide up the land, but before they do that is when Caleb speaks up. And that's the passage that, that I'm going to read for you here today. Everything that we have been talking about Caleb and his character and ev everything about that that we've just covered is really building to this moment and what he's about to say. Uh, in Joshua 14, starting in verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kezizite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart, but my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. So he's talking about the ten bad spies. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore to me on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and for your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since that time that the Lord spoke this word of Moses while Israel, walk, uh, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. The Anakim were giants. They lived in fortified cities. And these fortified cities, occupied giants, were in the hill country, which would have made it increasingly difficult from a military perspective. Caleb is 85 years old, and he has been waiting over half of his life for this moment. And he says, 
I was promised that land, the hill country with the fortified cities and the giants, as an inheritance, and I want it. And if we win, all praise goes to Jesus. Well, I mean, God. And then Joshua, his old spy buddy from back in the day, gives him what he asks for. For all of us, and, but again, especially grandmas and grandpas, Caleb should be a huge inspiration for us. Not because of his physical strength. I think that was a, g- a gift from God. But because of the vision and the hope and the faith that this man maintained all throughout this time. For 40 years, 40 years, Caleb has been holding on to a dream. He's been holding on to a vision. And he saw what waited for the Israelites. He knew what was going on. I mean, 40 years is a long time to wait for, for anything. I'll, I'll give you that. But, but he did it. It was interesting. The, um, I was speaking with a youth leader um, to just talk about how rare this is to hold on to a vision uh, for 40 years, 40 years and how much rarer this is going to become. We were talking about youth, and we were talking about the idea of, you know, calling youth into a year of missions or year of service and that kind of thing. Um, and he said, he goes, yes, uh, we can do that. And the great idea, the problem, though, that we lack now is that the youth today lack the mental grit or the mental fortitude that you and I were raised on. His words, not mine. And he said what will happen is that they may make that commitment to do your missions or a year of service, but if it doesn't happen immediately, they will take that as a sign from God that it's not supposed to happen, and they will quit. And so if you're going to do some kind of event where you call people out for that, you literally have to find someone to hold their hand from that moment of decision right up until the moment that it happens. Because otherwise they'll, they'll, they'll bail. Lots of good things about young people today. That one's going to need some work. Caleb waited 40 years, 45 years. And still claim the inheritance after all that that time. I don't know what your dream is. I don't know what hope or vision you had or had in your younger years. Um, If you're 20 years into it, like you're just getting started. Okay? It's been a good 20. You're almost at the halfway point. Hang in there. There's, uh, there's a lot we don't know about Caleb. I mean, there's some stuff that we can kind of extrapolate and figure out and look at it and this kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it is interesting because there's one phrase that gets repeated over and over about Caleb. Um, despite the, the little that we actually have written on Caleb, right? Like, we got a lot on Moses and Joshua and some of these other guys. Caleb, we don't have as much written. But there's one phrase that keeps getting repeated over and over, like almost obnoxiously so, about Caleb. Numbers 14. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Numbers 32. Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. None except Caleb and Joshua, for they have Holy followed the Lord. Deuteronomy 1, verse 35. 
Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, he shall see it, and to him and to his children I shall give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Joshua 14. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore to me on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and for your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. Joshua 14, then Joshua blessed him, gave him Hebron um, to Caleb. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, and to this day, because, and you see it coming, wholly followed the Lord his God. Right? Did, like, did you notice the pattern? I mean, I can repeat that. I'm assuming you caught the pattern. Ca- time and time again, we see about Caleb that he wholly followed the Lord. If you want to keep hope alive, if you want to hang on to a vision for 45 years, if you want to have the courage at 85 to do the hard things, I believe the foundation is wholly follow the Lord. I have a theory that sometimes we hold back on wholly following the Lord. Um, Because we think that, well, if I wholly follow the Lord, uh, then I'm going to become really weird and have to do weird stuff. And, 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 you know, I'm just going to have to give up all my social skills, and God is going to send me to some country I hate, and it's going to be weird, and I'm going to have to give up all the fun stuff. And... Like, granted, there are a few people like that, right? Like, let's not name names, okay, or elbow your neighbor. But, well, like, there are people where they will talk about how zealous they are for the Lord, but at the same time, like, they're just really odd. And so you're like, I don't, I respect that, but I don't think I want to become like you. There are other people I know who I would say, holy follow the Lord, and they are some of the coolest people who have the most amazing stories uh, they are people of peace. They are people of love. They are a delight to be around, and I find them absolutely inspirational. We reconnected with a few friends when we were in Canada. Grandma and grandpa couple, I, I worked with her for years on Trek. Um, it, one of the things I love about them is that like, they are so unbothered by you at your worst absolute worst day of your life, you did something awful, they're just unfazed by it. Unfazed by it. But at the same time, they're also I don't know, unbothered, unimpressed, unenfazed by you at your best. Like, you can, you can bring in the most fantastic story, you know, they're like, that's nice. How are you? Like, they just, they just, how are you doing? They want to get to know you. We went for a walk with another lady, this gal is profoundly gifted and experienced in prophecy. I could unpack all that, but profoundly gifted and experienced in it. Peaceful, calming, wonderful discussion. Um, I mean, this woman has, has done intercession all around the world. She has probably forgotten more stories than I will ever experience. And yet, we went on a walk with her around the lake. 
absolutely refreshing. Abs- like, there's nothing weird about her at all. We all have quirks, okay? But um, just a refreshing time. Another time, we're, we're sitting in a hot tub with another gentleman, beautiful view of the Fraser River and the mountains and that kind of thing, and he's reminding us of how good it is to work out of a place of rest, to work out of a place of spiritual rest. Holy following the Lord doesn't make you weird, all right? And it doesn't make you socially awkward, and it doesn't make you overly judgmental, actually makes you beautiful to be around and other people are going to long to be around you more your love for the Lord and your love of people are linked and one will not grow without the other they either grow together or they don't grow at all but you're not going to find someone who has this phenomenal zeal for the Lord and then hates people or just has this phenomenal love for people but hates the Lord. Not going to happen. They grow together or not at all. Greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Second greatest commandment, love others as yourself. Those two grow together and not at all. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love because he first loved us. Good phrase, you probably know that one. But then it says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you are stuck in your love for the Lord, it may be that you actually need to invest more in loving people. And if you are stuck in loving people, it may be, that you need to invest more in loving the Lord because they're going to grow together or not at all. The other thing that's important to remember is that loving God comes first and that frames and that puts boundaries around loving people. And this is one that that actually would require a whole lot of time to unpack. Um, And so I want to be a little bit careful on on this one because I don't have a lot of time at this point moment. But I I will simply say that if we think that loving people is the highest good, if we we say loving people is the highest good, and we're honest with the logic behind it, that forces us, really, would force us to endorse all kinds of behaviors and activities and relationships that we would not otherwise endorse. Because the highest good is just like, well, I want you to be happy. And so regardless of the pain that causes others, regardless of what Scripture may say about it, if the highest good is loving people, and we have no framework around that, then I am, and and we're honest with the logic, I'm forced to endorse all kinds of stuff. But loving people is actually not the highest good. Loving the Lord your God is the highest good. And that puts both guardrails, but also goals around what it means to love people. Because I can say, okay... I want to love you, but at the same time, Scripture places boundaries to say, okay, but that's not okay, or this is going to offend the Holy Spirit, or Scripture still caused that a sin, okay? So I need to stay within those guardrails. But at the same time, it puts these goals in place on what does it mean to love people, right? 
because someone may say, well, I want to love people, but Scripture is going to say, yeah, I want you to love people, and then I want you to forgive them 70 times 7. Oh, and by the way, to lay down your life for your brother is the greatest love that you can have. And actually, I want you to love others as you love yourself. Like, people don't aspire to that naturally. So those two commandments, two greatest commandments, very important, but you've got to keep them in the right order. We love God first, but, and that puts guardrails and goals around what does it mean to love people. A lot more we could unpack on that. One couple that I remember meeting years ago that, uh, in a way for me, are, are kind of like Caleb. John and Evelyn Weems. And the reason I say that is simply because after they retired is when they became missionaries. Um, he had been a pastor. Uh, they retired. I think they were like in their mid to late 60s. They decided, you know what? We don't want to sit around here. We want to do something. They became missionaries to Ukraine. Moved over there. Learned the language. Uh, I believe they were in Zaporozhia. Uh, and started working with orphans. Uh, my data on the, the orphan situation in Ukraine is 10 to 15 years old. Even then, it was very, very bleak. Because what happens is that they are raised in the system until grade 10. And then they are kicked out with $200 in their pocket, and that's it. And because they are orphans, the rest of the community doesn't really consider them very hireable. And so you're grade 11, you have $200, you have no place to live, and most of the world thinks that you're not a very good employee. Um, my data, old data, said that 10% commit suicide within the first year, and I forget if it was half or, or two-thirds um, where the boys end up in prison and the girls end up in prostitution within like two to three years. And so they moved to Ukraine and focused in on that people group and worked with orphans in Ukraine uh, until he passed away of cancer about, I think it was maybe eight or ten years ago. Um, and then she's back stateside. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. And we read that about him over and over and over again. And somehow, in some way, that lifestyle, that, 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 that conduct, that, that worldview of wholly following the Lord somehow resulted that at age 85, when he saw unclaimed, unconquered inheritance, even though it's surrounded by all these difficult circumstances, Caleb said, I want that. Let me go and get that. That is mine. Had Caleb retired quietly, no one would have thought less of him. Not at all. But he didn't. And now we're here 3,000 years later talking about a man who wholly followed the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we fully recognize that your calling on each of us is unique. And for some, the call is to say, and for some, the call is to go. But in all of these things, Lord, may we be people who wholly follow the Lord. And may life circumstance, regardless of what it is, right, whether it be age or career or anything, may it never be a hindrance to what it means to wholly follow the Lord. And to go after that unclaimed, unconquered territory. And for, Lord, and for us, Lord, it's, it's all about the spiritual kingdom. It's about your kingdom. And, and, and what does that mean? And how do we pursue that? 
then how do we love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind? And how do we love others as ourselves? And how do we work to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Lord, give us eyes to see, ears that hear, a heart that trusts you, and has the courage to speak up and say, that is unclaimed territory. I want it. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.